Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Blaster Cannon, Den of Geek Star Wars and Expanded Universe podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Seth, and with me today is Megan Cross. Hello. And Paul Herman. I'm back. He's back. I'm back. I missed the last episode. I apologize. Welcome back. You're Thank here you. with your smooth radio voice for yeah, unfortunate <laughs> reasons. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little, a little under the weather, so I may not be as energetic as usual, but maybe by the time we start talking about stuff, I'll start bouncing off the walls, you never know. So. <laughs> Get you just warmed up a bit about Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So first up today, we actually have some sad news to start out. A longtime Star Wars fan and former Blaskin and Forcecast host, John Bealey passed away unexpectedly last month. And if you are like a longtime listener from Forcecast, you would know him. I'm going to let these two actually take it away first because they knew him longer than I did. And even though I considered him a good friend, I feel like they should talk first. I have known John since the Force Cast days. It's been it's been quite a while. It's been a chunk of my Star Wars career. And he's meant a lot to me throughout that. He's been part of all the ups and downs. Um, so online grief is really strange. So John is a person who I saw once or twice a year and maybe texted once a month or so. Um, but when we did, when we saw each other, when we texted, we tended to scream each other's full names for, <laughs> we, we didn't need a reason to do that. It just started happening. <laughs> when I was stuck driving for 11 hours in a blizzard, I called him to have a friendly voice to talk to. I think I also called Paul. <laughs> um, we did John, talk, yes. John so often told me about things he was doing in his life to help others. He was always opening his home and his heart and his resources to other people. He wanted to be Luke Skywalker, and I think he achieved that in a real way more than any other person I know. Grieving him has been strange and impossible and infuriating. It has reinvigorated my desire to be the best person I can be for this community about space wizards trying to be nice to each other in a complicated world. Nobody can replace John, and this has made me really appreciate all the time I have with my Star Wars friends. Um, I'm really grateful for my friends and the community and the, the Star Wars world who have reached out to me and to one another, and I'm really appreciative of having the two of you. So, um... Thank you to both of you. And uh, I love you. Oh. And I know this hasn't been easy for anybody. For those who don't know, uh, John and I were very, very close. Um, John, I always called John my brother. I've known John since 2011. We both got into the Star Wars game basically together through uh, Justin Bulger, our, our very close friend. Um, 
Justin Bolger and John Beerley and I <clears throat> had formed a special bond over the last, I'd say, four or five years, or yeah, I'd say three, four years. Um, we had like a, a, a text group that we basically texted each other, and I'm not joking, almost every day uh, where we would talk and converse and see how we're doing and just kind of check in. You know, since the moment we met, we were very close immediately. And just now we were doing a Thor podcast when Thor came out, the first Thor movie. And uh, we, uh, we were instantly buds. And, went, you know, John was always there for me. And <clears throat> the last couple of years uh, were some of the really hard, toughest years of my life, to be quite honest. And John was one of the people that was consistently there for me whenever I needed him. And that is, uh, that was, I could, I couldn't, yeah, I'm forever in his debt for that. And, uh, yeah. So John is, uh, you know, like I said, it was, it was, I miss him like crazy. And he was, he literally was the, like you said, Luke Skywalker. He was my Luke Skywalker, um, when I needed him most. And, uh, John, um, yeah, we did a. There was a podcast we did for uh, for John uh, from our old our old podcast called Modern Myth Media. It's, it's through Marvel Newscast, my other show. I met John through Sean, uh, my other my co the co the, he's the main host. I should say I'm not really the main host. He is, but Sean, uh, I introduced he I learn I ugh, can't talk. Sorry. Um, I I met John through all that. So we it was a, the show was me. Sean, Justin Bolger, and Chris Clow are my other good friend that knew John well. And we did a really long podcast just dedicated to him. So if you want to know more about the type of person John Brearley was, if you even know a little bit, which if you knew him a little bit, you probably know that he was one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. Um, we talk we, we talk a lot about him, a lot of great stories, and uh, just honor the the amazing person that he is. And, and there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about and miss him so um i know he's listening and i know he's you know he's he's giving me a big hug right now and uh you know a big awkward hug as he always to give <laughs> as, as i said and in, in and i don't mean that in disrespect it, it was funny because um uh i got to at the funeral i, I flew out to the funeral to meet uh, a bunch of his friends from indiana and they're very, very sweet, very awesome people, instant connections with all of them just because we all knew John and loved John so much. And when I did the podcast, I'd mentioned, you know, I, I'll never forget his awkward, big, awkward hugs. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It, one of them, she she messaged me on Facebook and said, oh, my, you nailed That's so perfect. That's exactly <laughs> that's, that's John. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's just John. John has had this big kind of. He had kind of long arms, just kind of just big, you know. John was just kind of gave this weird kind of awkward hug, but it wasn't like a weird hug. It was just awkward, just because he's so like just lanky. He's kind of built weirdly, I guess, a little bit. But uh, <laughs> you know, but no, and, just, and I, yeah. we love him. Yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, it was, it was nice to know, like I wasn't just me saying that because I was weird or something like that. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. People that her his best friends were telling me the same thing. Like I nailed it. Okay, cool. So no, I. I, I miss John. And uh, like I said, check out that podcast if you want to know more about him as a person. We we pretty much go over just his whole, like, just how amazing of a person he is. So, yeah, I miss I, him. I think 
you're right that I I feel in a way very indebted to him in a whole bunch of ways. Um, and so I, I, I definitely feel that. And I think that really like debt in a powerful, positive way really encompasses how I feel about him. And I, I do believe that he is still out there somewhere and that uh, I hope he feels some of the, the love that we send to him. Yeah, I haven't known John as long as you two because I came on Forcecast um, around when he kind of left it because so I only really got to pod with him a couple times and he was amazing. But yeah, it was only a couple times. And then I remember at Celebration, I think it was Orlando, um, when I met up with him at some point and he was like, he told me that he couldn't have thought of anyone that he wanted more to like take his place on the podcast. And that really kind of stuck with me and made me feel a lot more confident in my ability to be a podcaster because I love the hobby a lot and hearing it from him who's like who who did so many podcasts and was amazing at it um, meant a lot to me I agree with Megan that like grieving an online friendship is really hard uh, especially because I'm so far away from everyone like the entire time it was happening like everyone was first going through the grief I found it really hard to be so far away I couldn't like go over and comfort any of my friends or anything like I had Skype calls with people but it's not quite the same um but I've also found it frustrating because most of the interactions I've ever had with him like serious interactions I've had with him have been in person like the couple times I've met him in person at celebrations which means that I don't have any like physical reminders of that friendship so much like we didn't dm that much we didn't tweet that much I don't even have any photos with him um because he was far away and most of our friendship was in person as brief as that was um but like even then I still knew that he was there for me and that he was just like the super positive influence in my life because whenever I talked to him I was just like I want to be more like John because he's amazing like everyone he loves everyone and everyone loves him um he was just super good and like Megan I want to I want to be more like him like that's that's my goal (laughs) is to be at least somewhat like John. Um, They say grief is bad around holidays. And I think for us, for me, celebration is going to turn into that holiday. Like that's going to be kind of a marker on the journey of the grief. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And yeah, grief is just a weird thing. Um, It kind of comes and goes in waves. And so I think... It's good to always stay connected to everyone around you, um, check in on them and like let them know you love them because I think everyone who knew him is going to be <laughs> it's going to be grieving for a while about this. Um and yeah, if you haven't you should check out Paul's podcast. It's like about it. It's it's really good. <laughs> I'm tempted to I think it would be flippant in a way to connect this to star wars to say there are lessons here about being luminous beings there are lessons here about friendship being the thing that ends up turning the tide of a situation but i also think that john would like a comparison like that yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no john uh john love john loves star wars to death to the point of Last Jedi ruining Star Wars for him. It just was. It was just hard. It was so hard for him. He was Luke. Luke was his, uh, you know, favorite character, you know, fictional character of all time. 
and uh, he did not appreciate how that was done. But you know what? He it, it was a genuine struggle. He never wanted to, you know, like talk about it publicly enough to where it would bring people down or cause problems. Yeah. We had talked about it plenty of the two of us, <laughs> but uh, he was my only uh, one, of my, one of the people I'd always go to and complain about other people. Like, uh, so I'd be like, oh, I can't believe this person likes this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you always John, need someone that you can do that with. Yeah, and John would be like, oh, I know. Oh, my God. You know? and, and so, yeah, John, yeah. It was John, he, but he loves Star Wars, no doubt. He loves he loves Star Wars. And I, I think that, John, anytime you would honor John in any way, John would, would be, would, 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 ad- would admire and appreciate it no matter what, regardless of if it was something he like loved or didn't love. And that's the thing about John is that John just loved, he loved people. He loved to serve people and he loved to be there for people. And Star Wars very much is about that. Um, you know, about found family. John, I've, I've said before, John is my brother. I've called him my brother. He called me his brother. He was, you know, he was an only child, technically, but he wasn't because he had so mm-hmm. many brothers and sisters, and I, I had to meet a lot of them from Indiana, had a lot of them through podcasting like like us, and you know, like I said, John was always he was always one of my better friends, and I got to know him deeper because of Star Wars, and and you know, we were already like I said, we were already pretty you know good buds, but then when, when Star Wars came, we it just it connected us on a level that no like franchise like marvel or any kind of film could because star wars is it, you know when you grow up loving star wars there's just something there's something inherent about it that is, is connects people and, and as you can see because the fandom is so uh, rigorous about so many different things as we know good or you know good or bad that it connects us though and when you connect something like Star Wars, it does it brings people together. Whether you it's because you agree on something that's good or or whatever, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's it, there's something about it, and I think John and John's good close relationship with Justin and I was because of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I I think you're I think he would he would totally feel that that would be a, an appropriate thing, Megan. So I think you're right. It's hard to transition yeah. out of that into news, but uh, we are going to try and do a normal episode today, try and do this thing that we've been doing together for so long. Um, so also thank you to people listening as well for being with us on this journey, including both the the happy parts and the nerdy pop culture parts and also the serious real life parts when they happen. We're going on to Star Wars now. <laughs> yeah, we should probably say what our episode is actually going to be about. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> good point. It's kind of a mixed bag of an episode because there's new stuff. I mean, it's mostly just like news, but news about comics and the Clone Wars. New episode came out finally. The High Republic, I think, is going to be our main topic because, you know, that just got announced and there's a lot of a lot there. So, yeah, it's going to be kind of like about the new stuff since we... Uh, <laughs> since we podcasted last yes mostly high republic but that's big and there's a lot of other news and of course clone wars is big so let's uh let's get into it hey yeah all right so news to begin with jody hauser is going to be doing the rise of skywalker comic adaptation art by will sliney and covers by phil Noto, which is amazing starting in may 
So the the reason I wanted to put this on here is mostly because people know we're big Jodie Hauser fans, and so it's <laughs> kind of cool to see her name on another comic uh, adaptation as well as chance for more Phil Noto art, which he has such a unique style. So that mostly wanted to kind of give a shout out to that because Jodie Hauser has been doing a lot of the the work that we've praised the most lately. I think that these kind of adaptations are not really necessarily a place to show a writer's chops in in terms of they original can definitely, work, right? But... They can definitely show a writer's lack of chops, though. I'm okay. not going to be specific about that, but I'm, I'm subtweeting there, but uh, they can definitely show that. <laughs> so I think picking a good, a good um, writer for those things is always good, because an adaptation can bring something new if it's done by someone who knows what they're doing. Well, she did the Rogue One adaptation, and it was fantastic, to be well, honest. That's good to know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did she do the Last Jedi one, or is that somebody else? I want to say she did Last Jedi as well, but I could be wrong. I, I know Chuck Wendig did one of them. He did the first one. He did Force Awakens. Okay, yeah. And he could stay away from Star Wars from now on, but anyway. I mean, uh, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's declared he's not coming back, so it's all good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. So it looks like the uh, last sorry. Jedi was Gary Whitta. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, no, um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I'm getting salty in my old age. Uh, oh, no, we love a salty bowl. Okay, good. Um, not everyone does, but... Eh, I have to get the um, the Chuck Wendig dirt one of these days because we haven't talked about that in a while, but maybe not this episode. Yeah, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll talk off-air. This is an off-air conversation. Yeah, this is an off- we don't want people to know exactly how salty we can be. Um, no, but Jodie Hauser, <laughs> yeah, she definitely did the uh, Rogue One uh, adaptation. And funny enough, I, I didn't think it was gonna be it was gonna matter much, but I, for whatever reason, I, I bought the first issue, I checked it out, and 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 Gary, not Gary, what uh, the uh, Gary, oh my gosh, uh, the director, I can't remember his name, Gareth, Gareth Edwards, Gareth, yeah, there we yeah, go, Gareth, yeah, but the powers what? combined, we got there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to call him Garrett. I've been eating Garrett's caramel corn, and so I kept, <laughs> I kept saying, that's not his name. That's the caramel corn that I love. Um, see, I'm already getting better just talking about this. So This episode you, sponsored by Garrett's caramel corn. Which is amazing, <laughs> by the way. If you haven't had it, it's incredible. I blame I blame my buddy Chris Clough for sending it to me. I got hooked on caramel corn. Anyway, so um, <laughs> Jody Hauser, I bought the first issue, and, and Gareth Edwards had a, at, the, at the very end, he had like a little message saying uh how that he had to cut a bunch of stuff out of the movie but there's a bunch of stuff they added in from the comic book and from the novel and i think all, all the stuff they added are is in the in the novel too i believe i i don't know for sure i know your your homie alexander freed was the guy who yeah. did the novel but jody i thought did a great job because as we all know uh and we'll get into you know a little bit of this actually in our main topic but uh joe Doing an adaptation for a comic book to a book or whatever, you would think that would be pretty easy or, you know, whatever, but it's not. You have to really know, you have to structure it by a 22-page comic book. It is not easy. And and so you have to know the medium. And just because you have everything already written, like the dialogue for the most part and whatever, you think it's super easy. No, no, you have to structure it a certain way with the artist and and jody obviously knows how to structure that in and and like i said that really impressed me what she did with that adaptation of rogue one 
and obviously she did the Age of Republic comic books, uh, and they are those were fantastic. Uh, the issue was I thought a home run, but a lot of them were very good. If not all of them, were solid at least the very least. So she is a she's a big time, and she did Thrawn adaptation. So she's she's doing great stuff. She definitely needs more work in Star Wars for sure. So I, I yeah. definitely endorse that. So yeah, I think it's uh, super cool. She's doing this, and I, I, de- I mean, obviously I love I love Rise of Skywalker. It's my favorite Disney movie of all of them. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna be checking this out. Yeah, as someone who's actually like, I am a writer. I have written a comic for an anthology, and it is a very different base to normal writing. Even if you have a story down and everything, it is whew, a lot of collab- collaboration, but also a lot of um having to really cut down to that important condensed like salient things and it is hard um which is why like writers of other things don't necessarily write good comics even if they're good writers uh and yeah jody hauser definitely has like she knows how the medium works and she's right in there and it's really good um and yeah like adaptations when they're done by someone who knows what they're doing can be extremely good and like bring something incredibly new to it like alex freed or um matt stover with the revenge of the sith novelization even Moving on from that, though, we have new Star Wars offerings from Toy Fair, including a lot of Baby Yoda and Ahsoka. It seems like they finally realized that people want Baby Yoda merch. They did. They've caught up with the uh, fan artists who are making them. So um, StarWars.com has an article about the Toy Fair announcements, which include a lot of very cute Baby Yodas. I have um, a little bit of a pet peeve where baby Yoda in art is often either too cute or too grotesque because in the show, he sits right on this perfect line of looking slightly grotesque and Muppetish, but also very cute and very expressive. And a lot of art goes too far one way or the other. And they have some which are right in the middle there. There's Shirts that are actually Funko brand. I think I'm reading this right. They're not toys. They are shirts, but they are from the Funko brand, I believe. Oh, I did just see that amazing gonk droid, though. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, lots of new action figures. There's a Revan Force FX lightsaber, which... Cue all the rumors about Revan coming coming to canon. So this lightsaber is based on Revan from the old Republic, the the video game. And I just kind of like think it's cool that this exists, but I'm also like, why now? Why is this happening today? But that's a uh, that was the part of it that caught my eye. There were also let me see if I can find the Ahsoka shirt that I really liked. I have this love hate relationship with Ahsoka. Everyone knows this, where I find a lot of her role in the story is extremely underwritten or uh, kind of flippant. Um, but I do think she's cool. There's a nice Art Nouveau shirt that's available with Ahsoka on in her season. Um, Season seven design. So shout out to that one. Yeah, I'm There's just also really a character that may or may not be Rook cast. Wait, really? Yeah. So there's a I'm shirt. I'm scrolling on... through furiously. <laughs> <laughs> there's a shirt on here that has Mandalorian helmets, and let me see oh. what the description actually says. Whether it's tied into a certain thing. Um, oh, it's... that does look like it could be Rook cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's from a company called Fifth Sun. It's described as um, an array of uniquely decorated clone helmets, one of which is a very long, narrow Mandalorian helmet with Darth Maul markings on it, which I is similar to the look of the brown, like, horned helmet that Rook cast used when in her very brief appearance in Son of Dathomir and then never appeared again, but became, like, I latched onto her because she plays the role of, like, the second-in-command to Maul, and I just thought she was cool. So she's I don't a really know. cool helmet. <laughs> yes. I don't know if she's going to be in the Siege of Mandalore at all, but it looks like her. We can hope. We can hope. There was a, there was a that Revan lightsaber, you know, that, that I just was a little surprised about and very excited, very very excited. So I, you know, all that other stuff, I'm kind of like, you know, the Black Series stuff is whatever. But and Baby Yoda, you mentioned earlier, making about uh, he looks very Muppetish. Well, it would make sense because Yoda, the original Yoda, was basically created by Jim Henson. So Absolutely. I mean. It's, and yeah. I use that term intentionally to okay, cool. to show that link and to to describe Star Wars's overall aesthetic of realistic looking kind of. I'm trying to use another word other than grotesque, but a word they're they're weird, right? Right. The yeah. The nature of the creatures feels puppety in a in an almost art house ish way. Oh yeah, totally. And that's like what I I use that to sum all that up. Not. That's fair. It looks like Gonzo, you know? <laughs> yeah, which I love Gonzo's effort Muppet, by the way. So, shout out to would, Gonzo. Yeah, shout out to Gonzo. No, I I think that Toy Fair was kind of lackluster as far as Star Wars goes. Hasbro is putting out some amazing Ghostbusters toys, which I'm very excited about. This is not a Ghostbusters podcast. The Black Series figures, I thought, were pretty lackluster. Um, hey, now. It, not just, hey. That probe droid and that gong, I want them both. Yeah, those are cool, but I mean, like, yeah. those are, give me more want, droids. Yeah, no, I agree. But the problem is, like, they just—that's all they have now. But this morning there was a there's there's almost confirmation. You guys want me to tell you what? What I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but there's more. Obviously, obviously, there's more coming out this year than what they've revealed at Toy Fair, which is weird they didn't reveal this. But through all the toy freaks that are hunting UPCs online and whatever. <laughs> Uh, this is all via Yak Face, which is a great site, or or you just go social media or whatever. I follow him on Instagram. Uh, he lives right by Dave from Minnesota, aka Father's Figures. Um, they don't know each other, but he lives in the same area, which is weird. Just want to say that. Um, anyway, pieces of the Star Wars family spread throughout the world, and sometimes yeah. they connect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but to, you guys, you guys, I think you, you both will, appre- well, actually more sad than actually you, Megan, because you don't really like this show very much, but there was a mm-hmm. confirmation of a Clone Wars figure, uh, character that's never been done before. And, um, uh, you ready, ready for this, Saf? I'm, I think you'll appreciate I'm, I'm this. ready. Cad Bane. Ooh. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. That's, that's cool. Rad. Yeah, I love Cad Bane. A lot of people will be excited about that one, yeah. I, you, I thought you I thought you liked Cad Bane for some reason. No, Cad Bane's really cool. Okay. Um, I just don't tend to buy figures outside of droids at this point because I don't have space for ah, anything. <laughs> but I love droids yes. a lot. That's but a Cad Bane figure, like a good Cad Bane figure, I might I might yeah. get. I, I'm pretty sure because the about... design is awesome. Oh yeah, if that if we're making that figure, that's amazing. So yeah, I'm pretty jazzed. If that's accurate, it, I think it is. Like when they find the UPC codes for this stuff. 
you know, usually it means like it's coming, but yeah, it's uh, they they dug around and multiple people were able to confirm they found this uh, this thing. So yeah, Cad Bane coming to Black Series. If that's true, whew, watch out. That's going to be a hot ticket. Oh my god, yeah. yeah the last so. thing I'll say about these, my only contribution to the Black Series conversation is that the Gonk Droid is standing in a very jaunty way with one foot up, and he looks like he's about to go to a party. It's a nice pose for a Gonk Droid. As someone droid. who uh, <laughs> drew a bunch of Gonk Droids recently and really enjoyed ones that looked like they were dancing, like that that just makes me really happy, because <laughs> I feel like they would just dance around. <laughs> they got those big uh, legs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly I love Gonks. Um, so we also have Resistance Season 2 is now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, good for me to know because I watched the rest of Season 1 last week and then was like, Where, where's Season 2 though? Why isn't it here? Uh, and it turns out I'd gotten the Disney Now app confused with Disney+. Plus. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now I can watch it. I can watch the final season finally. Uh, so if you haven't caught up with Resistance, you can binge the entire thing on Disney+. Plus now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I have seen about two or three episodes of season two uh, myself, so there will be a, a time when I'll binge this. It's probably a nice light show to do in a day or two. Find out what happens to the characters I like and and kind of, and then I'm going to kind of leave Resistance to the side, I think. I think overall it didn't make as big an impact as the other animated shows, but um, it is a new Star Wars thing that you can watch on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and it's good for kids if you've got kids or young f- friends with kids that you want to <laughs> watch Star Wars with. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it eventually. I, I, you know, if it's canon, I'm gonna or at least attempt to go through it. I, I didn't dislike. I actually like the second half of that season a lot. It more. does get very good once you like. Not very yeah. good, but it gets a lot better. Um, it gets I better. Really enjoy it, gets, it. it gets it gets tall. I wouldn't say tolerable is not the right word. It just it gets more enjoyable. If that makes any sense. <laughs> But the first, the first four episodes are pretty rough, I'd say, for the most part. Like they're just not, they're not great, and it, it's no surprise to me that it's not being continued after season two. Well, the interesting thing is actually not like knowing whether or not it was originally planned to only have two seasons, because it seems like they kind of wrapped up what they want to do. Um, yeah. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Time will tell if that's accurate or not. I, yeah, we'll see. Can't wait for like 50 years from now on the behind the scenes of Lucasfilm finally comes out. Well, that's coming. You I know, know and I'm excited. I'm so excited. I know. We fast forward. <laughs> I don't mind getting close to dying age, but I, that's that's one thing I will appreciate. At least I can learn what happened when I, in my 30s with Lucasfilm and Disney. Yep. And also, Paul has been to Galaxy's Edge now. It was amazing. I, I, I'm planning on doing a video. Uh, I've been doing these. Uh, I did one one minute review video, and I've got a couple ideas for other one minute review videos uh, about number of things. But uh, I actually have video of my reaction for Galaxy's Edge, which I will uh, I will give I will be putting up up there at some point. But yeah, it was amazing. It was. Uh, I think if you're, if you love Star Wars, you will love Galaxy's Edge. I know a lot of people, um, or not a lot of people, but, uh, Kyle, who was in my other Star Wars podcast, The Saga Continues, he was said, he told me, and he loves Galaxy's Edge too, but he said it wasn't, it was a tad bit overhyped. He said it, people were freaking out saying it's super immersive, but it's, but to him, it still felt like Disneyland, but just with Star Wars. And that's exactly what it is. 
I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, it felt like it did feel very awesome to be as close as I could to, in, in, to have Star Wars. It, it That's as close as you're, you're going to get, in my opinion, I think, if that makes any sense. And because of that, you get to experience a little bit of that. And it was just nice to kind of immerse myself into it. And it was... Yeah, it was awesome. I got lots and lots of stuff. And uh, I got a, a, a Jedi Temple guard lightsaber. Oh, cool. And that is just beautiful. They all look great. I got I to gotta say, the lightsabers all looked great. Um, we were originally going to try to do our own, make your own lightsaber thing. But uh, they were all booked out. But then also, I'm not really sure if I like how they look, to be honest, for how much you pay, you pay like 200 bucks to do it. And it's, they don't look like, they don't look like they're the, the ones you can buy the, the replica, the hero replicas, if you hmm. will. That's they, interesting. Cause that's how I was picturing them. No, yeah. they're not. They're not they're, I thought the same thing too. Um, but, uh, people had told me, you know, maybe not exactly what you think. And then as I was leaving the park, I was, I didn't go in, but I was, uh, in downtown Disney, the day before we went, we went there and I saw some some kids playing with them and and uh, someone told me yeah those are them and uh, I I said those don't look very good and and then someone said and this is what I'd compare them to excuse me they look like a cross a cross between a plastic lightsaber and a hero replica okay. so so they're not quite super super cheap looking but they don't they're huge. Like they're the way bigger. Oh, they like chunky. Yeah, exactly. Chunky is a huh. great, great term for. It. So, but but what 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 someone told me also is that you're paying for the experience essentially, and that that is true, and that is cool, and you know, but at the same time, you can all. I, we also found out that you can also go with your friend. You you don't have to make one. You can't make one and not buy it, but you could experience it with your friend while they do it. So I I'll do that. <laughs> Basically, uh, I'll try to if I if and when I go <laughs> next time, I'll be like, are you going to get a lightsaber? I'll just go and experience it with you. OK, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. But but the hero replica lightsabers look fantastic and they're on, they're not on, they're only 130. Uh, no, uh, it, it, it's a little bit of a racket because you buy you, it doesn't come with a blade. You have to, you have to buy the blade in the stand separate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, was, and, honestly. And, glad that you're talking about the money because i think like this is all very cool this is all like it's i don't mind when people gush about it but they tend like but it's also nice to hear the reality of this is how much you're gonna pay and this is whether it's worth it because i'm gonna when i go it's probably gonna be on a budget so it's good oh, yeah. to know that stuff i do i do have a question yeah. about this though uh do you know how much it costs to do that droid building thing it's uh, about a hundred dollars Okay. All right. All right. I'll do that then. Cause yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, the, I want to make my own little bull droid so bad. You know, I, I went in there and it's very cool. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's very cool, but it wasn't as, I don't know. Like I just, the droid building thing is, is hard for me because you're building a BB-8 or an R2 unit, but they're, they're not very big. So it almost feels, it just doesn't feel as, not See, as the exact size I want out of my droids. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, you have to make them adequate one. You're not going to be able to make a real life size. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, obviously. So, um, I, also, I, definitely... I would not have space for one of those. I already have my big BB 90 plus. Yeah. I don't have space for another droid in my house. Yeah. I, I would. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was cute. I mean, if I had, if I wasn't buying the lightsaber, I'd probably consider doing it. They did have like this really nice, uh, R2 bowl, 
uh, that was basically the head of RTU, but it's like a popcorn bowl. It's huge. Like, it's basically his head, essentially. It's basically R2's head, almost. You You decapitated him. Yeah. (laughs) And using him for popcorn. No, no, yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. How much is this? It was like, like, 80 bucks or something. Like, nope, I'm good. Um, I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of money, though. I mean, I bought lots of little things. Uh, I got a holocron. The holocrons were not as cool as you think they are, to be honest. Um, I did get the the Jedi one. Um, Who'd you get? Uh, I just got like a blue, some or uh, I got a this regular blue holocron. There's only two you can get. Um, but what's weird is it, they're plastic, and um, but but when you when you turn them around, they they light up and say things and whatnot. If you buy a crystal, uh, but I, I actually it doesn't look that bad. But the Sith one looks terrible. Uh, to be honest, like it like it feels it doesn't look it looks it looks way cheaper than the, even the Jedi one, and it's like hmm. fifty bucks. To like, be fair, the Sith would be the ones to skimp. Right, but it just, it, it, honestly, <laughs> when you look at it, when it's just like, and you feel it, you're like, this is not really worth it. The, 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 for some reason, the Jedi one looked, this looked more legit to me. So, but honestly, you can go on Etsy and buy amazing looking holocrons for like way cheaper. And I'm not kidding. I found the Wayfinder from, from, uh, the Wayfinder from Rise of Skywalker, a replica of that, for 30 bucks on Etsy. And it looks Whoa. incredible. Like, I'm not even Support kidding Support independent artists on Etsy. <laughs> no, seriously. Etsy's incredible. I go on Etsy on the reg now, and I love it. But uh, to wrap up my, my experience, yeah, uh, we got, we did, we did get Rise of Resistance, um, the ride. Nice. And I am not a ride person. I'm, I want to make that very clear. And I was... Um, dreading going on it because I know there was a drop. That's what I heard. And I hate rides, but do any kind of drop, not a ride person with that. The simulate ride, the uh, flight simulation, not a big deal. But uh, I kept reading and researching about it and it said it wasn't that bad, it wasn't that bad. Uh, we So we got on there, which was a miracle. And, and, and all my, the people I was with were freaking out that we got on it. And I have to say, it holds up, man. It is the best ride I've ever been on. It's incredible. It's straight up. I don't even want to spoil it for you. Just don't. In fact, if you ever go, don't avoid spoilers. Just experience it because it is unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And this is someone who hates rides. And the drop wasn't that even that bad. It was amazing. It was worth it. I'll say that. Yeah, like, I really oh, want to go on that. That's panic. like the main reason I want to go to <laughs> Galaxy's Edge just for that, because I love a good ride. Panic, I got when it happened, did suck. But then right afterwards, it was worth it. I'll just say that. Here's the other, other thing, too, I will say. Don't feel like you have to go there in, in the daytime. It, it's nice getting a picture with the Falcon during the day. Don't get me wrong. That was amazing. But nighttime, I think Galaxy's Edge is better. This might it's, be a park where it's good to do what people recommend to do if you go to Pandora, which is what I did and really enjoyed was you go in the morning and do what you want to do. And then you like have dinner plans or do something else for a while in like the late afternoon and the evening and then go back to Galaxy's Edge at night to see it at night as well. Yeah. In fact, I would say, yeah. Experience Galaxy's Edge both day and night, but nighttime was, I think, my favorite. So I'll definitely walk through, get kind of get. It's overwhelming if you're like me and you're a huge Star Wars fan, and you're. It's overwhelming at first. You're just like, oh man, there's so much to go. Go around, 
kind of soak it all in and then come back late, keep go back often. But nighttime is, was my favorite. It, it just felt, it felt more like star Wars at night to be honest. So, so as an expanded universe fan, was there anything there, whether that's like interactions with characters or items that are on a shop wall that aren't really for sale, but are just there for fun? Was there anything that struck you was like, Oh, that's a deep cut or that's like connected to the books or oh that's EU like anything like that, that you caught? Well, you know, so a friend of mine uh, said that they thought they saw uh, Mammon's helmet on in a um what's his name the the ithorian's uh shop oh my gosh what is his name oh odak odak shop anyway where you get lightsabers basically which i couldn't confirm or or confirm but we thought it might be mommins from the darth vader comics yeah there's nothing uh, you know besides like rebels like the the ugnaught from rebel um from rebels you see his helmet on the way to smuggler's run that's pretty hilarious they had made, you know, if you remember the episode in the Melu run from Rebels, they have yeah. Melu run juice yes. and it is incredible. Straight up. Great. Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say it's, it's good. So cute. It's, it's amazing. Like, it's straight. I want to drink it right now. I loved <laughs> it. So, yeah. Cool. I know when I go, I will just, I think I will be overwhelmed in a way and like just want to sit there and take it in for a while. No, I, I think that's I can't recommend it more than enough to sit and take it in because it's a lot. And I want I could you know, people say like, Oh, you could be there all day, like you know, people were kind of teasing me about it. I'm like, Yeah, it could be I could I could just walk around this, yeah. this one section. And it was, sure. it, it's not very big. It's not very big, but you know what? I do it because I love Star Wars. So yeah. We also have the Clone Wars. Uh the first episode of the last season came out last week. It is the first episode of the Bad Batch arc. Um, which there were animation reels of previously that I saw at a celebration. Don't remember which one, but I remember seeing them at a celebration. Yep, in um, 2015. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God, it was that long ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is wild. Yeah, and it's basically a team of slightly off clones just doing their thing. Uh, you've got Rambo clone, you got Big Beefy Boy clone, you got Sniper clone, and you got Tech clone. <laughs> and they're all great. <laughs> yeah. So they it, I like this episode. I've seen the first two now as we're recording the next one will come out tomorrow. Probably there'll be two out by the time this episode is out, but I'm I like what what the final version now a lot better than I liked the previs version that we saw at celebration there have Mm. been a couple changes there's been some dialogue changes there was a whole section that was taken out but the plot is mostly the same um and overall i think it's a lot more um (laughs) it's you know how i feel about clone wars it's less (laughs) obnoxious now (laughs) i I, feel attacked with that comment i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) but i did i liked these episodes i really did there's stuff in episode two especially that is uh i thought was just really good so i went into these not really expecting to come out as um feeling as energized as i did part of that is because it has the connections to rebels like we get to see fort anaxis when it was actually working instead of decrepit and full of wild animals and the animation has gotten so much better. There's so many characters so in the gorgeous. background. The lighting. The lighting is so good. Oh, my God. It killed it. Oh, my God. Uh, the Lost episodes, the Lost Missions or whatever, and this just have... Mwah. 
amazing lighting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I say this not to compare them to the the version in 2015. I say this to compare it to like seasons five and six. It's better than those. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Absolutely. Um, I, don't think... I particularly like this episode because I really love, I love the clones. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints from people being like, oh, I don't want episodes about the clones. I want episodes about the Jedi stuff. It's like, it's the, clo- it's the Clone Wars. The clones are like the the heart of the show. <laughs> like they're one well, of the, the main Jedi, of the show. Jedi is also the, the what's not. It is, but it is literally called the Clone Wars. And um, from the yeah, start, I mean, like the first episodes of it was about the clones. Um, Anakin's in these episodes a lot, and there's like some serious Anakin characterization that happens fast, but it does happen. I do like his uh, revenge of Sith haircut in this too. They um updated that. Um, yeah, I. I really, I love the clones and I love these clones because they're kind of like the outcast super soldiers of the clone army. Uh, and just, they did scratch that like military sci-fi itch that I have that Star Wars never really does because of how amazing their teamwork is and how well they work together and how cool they look. Uh, my biggest issue is, as always, with the clones, that accent just, oof. Oof. <laughs> I was watching it in my, um, my living room at home and every time one of my flatmates walked in, they were like, what is that accent meant to be? <laughs> I'd be like, what do you think it is? And they'd usually be like, uh, it sounds Australian. Mm. Which I know to most people internationally, they sound the same. The clones sound Kiwi to them. But I will tell you that they do not sound Kiwi. See, mm. Bradley Baker tried, but he's not Samora Morrison. <sighs> like, the problem is that Kiwi accents are really hard for non-Kiwis to put on. Like, it's really obvious when someone is putting it on because it is a hard accent to capture and they usually do tend to just go more for Australian. Um, we've got our weird lazy vowels and stuff. So I'm always like, whenever I hear and whenever I hear the clones being voiced by Dee Bradley Baker, I'm like, I get it. He's a good voice actor. He can do a lot of voices, but he cannot do this. <laughs> he can get the timber right and everything, but he cannot do the accent. And it's it's painful. <laughs> It's so painful. I thought it was amazing. I thought the animation looked incredible. Just the amount of time between uh, season six and this, there are a lot of advancements. You can tell Clone Wars has always been amazing. And like I said, it revitalized my love of Star Wars because I, I fell in love with Clone Wars again or Star Wars again because of Clone Wars right before the sale of Disney. Yeah, so same. Clone Wars will always be will will be a very very special place in my heart. And seeing it these that new episode, it was. It looked incredible. So, yeah. And then also the ending of the episode made me remember what this arc is actually about. And I got really emotional. So that's going to be a fun ride. I knew this mm. I knew this new series, this new season was going to make me cry, but I forgot exactly how much it's going to make me cry. The ending of this episode is definitely leading to some, to some cool stuff and a payoff from earlier in the, in the show from what, three seasons ago or something. And I yeah. appreciate that. Let's move on to the big topic, I guess, which is the High Republic, which got announced the day before yesterday. Um, I had to think about that, which whenever you listen to this podcast, it's not going to be the day it was announced anymore. But it's been teased for a long time since like celebration last year or whatever. And all we really knew for a long time was that was going to be a group like initiative kind of thing, that there were going to be a lot of people involved in it. Um, and it was teased for a while and nobody really knew what it was going to be. And then they finally announced it. Um, and it's basically a publishing initiative across multiple licenses, such as Delray, Disney Publishing, Titan, et cetera, et cetera, to tell kind of like a cohesive era 
I guess. It's not necessarily a cohesive story because it's a bunch of different stories, but it's going to be set during the High Republic era, which is like, what, 200 years before Revenge of the Sith? I always have to think about that now that there's like three movies that start with R. Um, Right, my acronym (laughs) is is no longer quite as clear. Yeah, uh, so it's like not Old Republic era. It's a bit more recent than that, uh, but it's still like far enough back that it's kind of more the Jedi in their prime, and that's where they wanted to focus. Uh, It is a relatively new era for Star Wars to explore, so I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm curious about how it's going to like work across the different publishing and licensing things um, because we haven't really seen an initiative like this <laughs> before, yeah. I guess. This so is new. My biggest question about this, I think I'm going to skip ahead a little, but we are going to detail more of what this actually is later. Uh, my biggest question about this is like, what is the difference between an initiative and a series? Because when I when we went into this, we knew two things. We knew it was something to do with the Force, and we knew that it was multiple authors. So there was a lot of speculation that it was going to be a series, like the New Jedi Order, with each author writing a new entry about the same characters. And that turns out to not entirely be the case. It's more like an era in which lots of different stories can be told, and there are there can be interconnected moments, characters that appear in multiple things, but it's not necessarily a chronological series where you need to follow all of them in order to understand it yeah and they made it clear that like the different because they're gonna have like middle grade books and comics and stuff like that they've made it very clear that they aren't all going to tell the same story they're going to be telling different stories they're going to have different stories for the different like age groups or fans that will engage with it um so theoretically there's going to be like something for everyone yeah uh, if you don't want to like engage point. with the entire yeah. thing, <laughs> which even... I I kind of dig because it hasn't felt super like that recently. A lot of the stuff kind of falls in the same area um, of Star Wars, but now that the movies are over, I guess they have more room to like select an era and be like, this is what we can play with now. Like giving them a bit of a playground. I am worried though that it is gonna not quite have enough of a push towards freedom and like weirdness that you can get in star wars things like the i i love the um a lot of the they're not they're not old in terms of star wars books but on terms of the star wars era um books that are like old republic or a bit later than the old republic like that kind of stuff i love that stuff uh it's it's very good (laughs) there's some weird stuff in there and i dig that um, and I really hope that this has a chance to bring us some different styles. I, I, I think it will. Um, I'm someone that was kind of not, I wouldn't say I was skeptical, but I, I came in not knowing what to expect with the announcement. And I, I think like everyone else, I knew that it was basically about the high Republic. They were going to be calling it that. But after the presentation, I will say I did appreciate the fact that what they are attempting to do with the whole initiative of doing a line-wide, not even crossover, but kind of, they said phase, and for lack of a better, I think lack of a better term, they they probably tried to use a different word other other than phase, but Marvel didn't, you know, obviously, uh, with phase one, with their phases or whatever, so they're just kind of using it, and they even said themselves, like, you know, insert your own Thanos joke here, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, This is phase one of this, but I think it's this is a really, really good idea because I think you you're kind of scratching the itch of a lot of different things with 
without, I think, retreading on what's come before. And I think that because of that, we're going to get a different, really, really different kind of uh, stories, if you will. And they're going to experiment. And I've said before in other podcasts, and I, I know I've said it before on this, but if this is something you that you want to read, whether you want to read more about ancient Jedi and you want Old Republic and you want more of this stuff, support these books because this this is them not going completely too far to the Old Republic because I think they know that is a very, I wouldn't say sensitive in a bad way, but it's a very sensitive area where they want to make sure they, they do that the right way. With, with, with the High Republic, there's a lot to be... To, to kind of you can usher in a lot of different ideas and without having to i think tread on anything where you're 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 either going to be doing something that people are mm-hmm. going to be upset about and you're also so far away enough from the skywalker saga that you don't have to worry about that but you're also you can you can kind of integrate some things from the skywalker saga or at least prelude to that i think in in during these phases of what they're going to be doing so there's, a, I mean, I've said this on Twitter a couple of days ago. There's a lot to unpack with with this announcement. I mean, I could talk about this for a long time, but you know, obviously, we're talking about this for a little for a while now. But I guess for me is, I'm excited because there's because there's a lot a lot of different kinds of kinds of stories we could tell, and kind of following up what you said, Seth. But you're you're worried about them not being weird enough. If you look through, and I and I went through before we did the show, I went and I found a site that uh, just I, I, I the screen grabbed as many different uh scenes from the trailer that they had which is cool by the way they had a trailer i thought that was a really genius idea to really sell everything and the fact they have obviously the the guy ian, ian mccray oh my gosh what's his name ian yeah uh, ian, yeah mccray uh he uh, ian mckay is the guy from fugazi and minor threat and i always want to call him <laughs> ian McKay. it's not ian mckay ian mckay is also a legend but but ian mccray, <laughs> McCray whatever his name is a legend as well that that art Having that as part of this is just so cool. I want to go to Skywalker Ranch and have Ian McKegg draw my Star Wars OCs. Yeah. And oh my so, god, yeah. And there's lots <laughs> of, when I went through the the screen grabs of always of the trailer, when you look on the the whiteboard, which we all know the whiteboard, you know, there's lots of people saying there's lots of things on there, but they talk about uh monsters, dinosaurs are on there. Which I love you, that so much. And right. this was part of the the planning for the series, right. which people try to like try to complain. You know, people are these. I don't know how these people are, but they're they're, they're complaining that oh, we have dinosaurs. What's even, you know, what is that even supposed to mean? I'm like, it's about freaking like monster, di- like creatures, like the Rancor. I mean, for we God's have dragons. Sakes, why not dinosaurs? I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, like whatever. I mean, like that's what just I like weird lizards, basically. And Star Wars is filled yeah, with weird lizards. Exactly. Like dewbacks, you know. I mean, like that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about literal Tyrannosaurus Rex from Jurassic Park. Come on, like <laughs> let's be real here. You know, I took it as they wanted to bring that creature aspect. They called it, and I again, maybe they actually, if someone actually said like, I want to put T Rex, oh, that's I would be like, no, I'd be ridiculous. But <laughs> no, but well, I, Daniel I'm Jose pretty... Older wrote a series, a middle grade series about dinosaurs, and a lot of people are suspecting that he put that up there. But I, I think it actually got confirmed like... that that was him. I think. Oh. Someone who works in that area did confirm that it was him. <laughs> a Star Wars author, he knows that what that means is like you want to make something that makes you feel like dinosaurs did when you were a little kid. Like, like exactly, exactly as yeah. you said, cool creatures. 
It's all it is. And so people who are actually complaining about that, like literally rethink what you're like complaining about. Like, <laughs> literally rethink on. everything. <laughs> yeah, rethink everything. If that's what it's getting upset in that and the diversity that was on there twice, and people were like freaking out about that and was like, I have See, no time. That's even, yeah. like because they have diversity only twice, but the lineup still isn't super diverse, um, which I think is one of my issues with it as well, is that they pretty much still have the very typical Jedi kind of aesthetic that they've always had for like humans. Um yeah. Like, there's not much body diversity in it. The aliens still don't even have much body diversity, despite the fact that they are aliens. That's kind of one of my bigger issues with it, is that it is diverse. But it's diverse in the very, like, aestheticized way that Star Wars has become. And I feel like it could be more diverse and more interesting in that way, because they've got the space for that. And hopefully that does come over time. Yeah, basically what I want is wildly diverse and wildly weird. And it's kind of... It's it's moderately diverse and moderately weird, you know? Well, I think some of the places we saw some weirder designs were in the villains. So Yeah, yeah the villains yes. look interesting. The villains are a group called the Nihil, who are described as like space Vikings who use hyperspace in some strange way, and they're gonna be like the main antagonists. Their designs were like Mad Max-ish armor piled on armor, helmets that look like they maybe have some kind of like oxygen system or like filters and like technology piled on technology combined with this very, very buff and have like bare arms and bare torsos and then are covered with They look metal a little, uh, a little Destiny-ish as well. The, the silhouettes are great for them, I think. In other yeah, cases, they look very cool. I definitely agree. I think it didn't quite go as wild as it could have. There are parts where, where some of the characters are wilder than others, but we don't have like a, a, a Jedi who's also a snake or something like that. Or And for that matter, we don't even really have like plus-sized humans in this lineup. So the thing, another thing about characters that surprised me a little bit is that um, we don't actually know a lot about them yet. We know some of who the flagship characters are. We know the names of who's going to be in these individual books. But we don't really know anything about their relationships to each other. I, I personally... So I hope that these characters get to know each other over the course of the books. And that there are some ongoing relationships. Because that's the kind of thing I miss from the old expanded universe. But even as I'm saying that, I realize why this this decision to make books that all take place in the same era but are not in a series are more of, of as you said before, a, um, a di- opportunities to tell different stories in the same era. That's Because of that, a fan can jump in anywhere, and mm-hmm, it's a yeah. good way to bring in new people. And also, I, th- I realize the High Republic era is also a good way to bring in new people because you're not going to have classic fans saying, oh, well, it was this way in the 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 classics uh, universe which of course like i do like a lot of my friends love that i don't necessarily i don't find that like a unpleasant thing to do in general but it cuts down on some of the confusion so if you walk into a bookstore and say i want a high republic book there's gonna be one canon for that specifically 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. Which actually reminded me, talking about the characters, that one of the things I want more diversity in is the Jedi themselves, like how they act as Jedi. Because obviously in the prequel and sequel era and original era, um, they're very, especially in the prequels, they're very militaristic because of like everything that's been going on. But Jedi weren't like originally created to be warriors. <laughs> they're, they're peace bringers mm-hmm. and like peacekeepers in, in a very passive kind of way. Um, so I, and this is another thing that I really liked about uh, the older, uh, the, the original expanded universe. Uh, it's pre- <laughs> pre-prequel stuff um was there was the duology i don't know what it's called the midstar duology or something like that um which is about paris alfie yeah, and also has my favorite droid i5 <laughs> who recurs through a few books uh but her oh, thing is very much about her not wanting to fight and being a healer uh and still being part of all of this and i kind of want more perspectives like that like healer jedi or like diplomatic jedi i'm trying to think of other exciting things like gardner jedi which i mean was red harvest the main character of red harvest is a jedi who has affinity with plants that's like her thing and an affinity with a special plant as well um like i want that kind of stuff and i really hope that we don't just see jedi fighting we also see jedi figuring out situations in other ways because that's what the jedi are um and that's what they should be at their peak of being jedi mm-hmm. well they even talk they're... about good there was one mention of um avar chris the character in light of the jedi which is the the del rey novel as part of this she hears the force as music which i think is really cool but that's, yeah i think that like that's a, a trait not an action right and then a couple of the other characters in um the two disney novels are described as like their trait is almost like they're kids like they're young they haven't gone out very much and now they have to go outside of their comfort zones um and that's a little bit less they they kind of blur together as of now i was hoping we would get more of a character profile on who they are but that's probably going to happen as we go these books are going to start coming out in late summer and and fall so we'll probably have that more as we go forward I think that you're going to get that Saf because i think that was a, a heavy trait in the eu um, and as you, you've kind of talked about already, but I, I just kind of think that that's always kind of been there. Even if you look at Ray, she had her own traits. Like she definitely, in, at least in the, in Rise of Skywalker, she had that healing thing going on, which was, um, I think, you know, again, her kind of thing. And, and Ezra could connect to creatures and animals, you know, more so than Kanan could, 
And uh, I, I always got a feeling that, that a Jedi had certain traits and, and certain strengths. Maybe some others didn't. That's not been confirmed by, I think, uh, oh, in it's canon. Really, I, think, I think even in canon it has been kind of confirmed. Not in the same way it was in the Expanded Universe, obviously. Right. Um, well, I but I think yeah, it has this... been uh, to a point. I think my main worry is that the Jedi are now very much seen as, like, awesome warriors, like, cool right. knights and fighters. Like, that's very much well, what they've well, kind they of become. Yeah, they are Jedi Knights, especially because of the prequels, like, kind of building them up in that way. I worry that a lot of the older EU stuff that didn't quite see them like that won't exist again in the same way, if that makes sense. No, I I, know, I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, you, and, and obviously think, we I, don't know much about it, so who knows? But that's that's what I hope for is like more diversity in the way the Jedi act, more diversity in what the Jedi look like, and more weirdness. There is so when you watch that trailer, there's a couple weird things in there that I'm really into, and one of them is a woman with two creatures on side by side. The Ian McCraig uh, is is obviously one of his drawings, and I'm very curious who that is. That looks very weird and awesome. Also, Phil Noto, if you look into, and I've, I've, I'm looking at these pictures now, but if you look at, um, I think it's towards the end of the uh, of the trailer, there's a, there's a picture of a, of a young woman, like alien with a mohawk hair, which she looks awesome, double-bladed double lightsaber. There's also this like kind of vampire, evil, like spirit woman behind her with two faces, also like side by side ne next to the evil woman that's a, a kind of behind her. That looks super weird and awesome. So I think I think here's the thing. Because this is phase one and there's also rumors of other things that were going on, I we know that there's more than just it's the Nile or this like the main bad guys overall. This is just the introduction to the this world, this era. And the Nile is the first of, of I think of many different things we're gonna get. And I know if you, again, if you look on the whiteboard, they have lightsaber duels and space duels as a, a things that they 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 want to see in Star Wars. Lightsaber, even though the Sith are not in this as far as we have right now, which I'll get to that in a second. Sith Empire is on there, but I'm not sure if that's remnants of the Sith Sith Empire, whatever. But I don't think we're. I would not expect the Sith themselves to show up. But there's a couple of things with this. When I'm referring to this, this, this uh, thing from the trailer, which looks really cool, and the rumors we've had before, if you can kind of seek out there, there's more going on than just these Nile characters, these Viking characters. I think that the Viking Nile characters are essentially just to get us introduced to this world, this era, and then things will get deeper. And I think there's going to be different things of the Force going on that they're going to investigate in other mm -hmm. phases afterwards. And I have to say... Before we, you know, before we go, I don't think it's an impossibility that we get the rule of two characters in the High Republic, even though they, and just like how Darth Yeah, that's Maul what I was thinking mm -hmm. that that could be in this, because <clears throat> I find the rule of two legacy in Legends really interesting, because it wasn't yeah. always that way, obviously. And like one of my favorite uh, novels is Knight Errant, which is very much before in theory, before the rule of two, because it's just a bunch of Sith just out there doing their own thing, which is wild. And I love that. And that's one of the things that I like want more of in Star Wars, but then the rule of two comes along, and I'm like, no, I will fight you. Well, Except not well, right, because I would die to the Sith. 
But think about this. Um, look at the Darth Maul comic. That's the first, if you look in the chronological order of canon, that's the earliest story we have in the canon at this moment before oh this, um, Light of the Jedi comes yep. out. So yeah, I didn't even think about that, actually. Yeah. And what happens in that comic? They take a Jedi and they fight it and he kills her. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, yeah. Oh, that Maul comic. Yes. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that you could very well still have a Sith versus Jedi, but you just know that that Sith is going to take out that Jedi probably, you know? So, I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I loved about a uh, Darth Maul Shadowhunter. God, they're just bringing up all of the EU novels that I really love. Right. But, I, <laughs> but I Shadowhunter are... where like, they discover the secret of, um, Palp of Darth Maul and they go to Palpatine. And you're like, well, guess you're going to die then. Oh my gosh. That's the <laughs> best. Can uh, this whole series so will much. not feel like that. But I really want it to. But we can't just go talk about our favorite EU things forever and how they're all like darkly I mean, ironic. <laughs> I think that. Oh God, I love that though. Um, I think the thing that's most exciting about this is that we could get, like, now that we're not stuck in the era that we like the movies are in, we have an opportunity to start getting stuff like that. Um, yeah. And that's what I want. And I feel like that's where they want to go with it. And like, they may start off a bit like softer because they want to get people into it. But yeah, I think like you said, Paul, as the phases go, it'll get more interesting. Well, Thanos is, I know it's a joke, but Thanos <laughs> is actually a good illustration there. <laughs> yeah. There'll be like hints in this towards a bigger thing that we may not even totally get until like later in another phase or something. Um, and I do, Oh, as and Arab Zider, I do find that all very interesting, and I'm really curious to see what's going to go on here with the planning and how the phase is going to grow and how the storytelling is going to grow over time with the collaboration and everything. Like, it has some really cool, really, really cool opportunities to do some cool stuff, and I think that's what they want to do is experiment more. Because, I mean, even with um, Dooku Jedi Lost, like, they clearly want to experiment with new things through the, that medium. Um, oh, that is a cool picture. Paul just said the picture of... The, yeah, the Jedi so, with the two faces, which is very no, cool. Um, yeah, that's weird. Come on, that's weird. Like that's not like a normal like. Oh, hey, you know, whatever. I mean, that's this is a. If if you see that, if you, if you look on, the, you can find it online, people. If you're wondering what this is, but it's it's cool, and I think it's hinting at something different. And I think this is what's going to be exciting is that I think Phase One is going to be hinting at things that we've heard rumors of in some ways. I I don't want to spoil it for people, so I'm not going to, but. There's definitely stuff out there that they kind of re that was not part of this announcement, and then this is only phase one. I think there, this is a very good chance that that something. And I'm not saying this exact rumor. And again, I'm not going to say the rumor, but if you, find, <laughs> if you do find the, the the exact rumor I'm referring to, I don't think that's necessarily 100% accurate. But it's, but if you look at this picture, I think there's potential there, and there's other things that can go on. Different Jedi factions potentially. Um, I think it's a very, you know, someone, I think I got this from a different place, but I think it's not entirely a possible impossibility that you could see even maybe Plagueis come into canon because he's a mun and he's old and this could be when he becomes a Sith and you could do a story just about how Plagueis became a Sith in the first place. And that would be really interesting and you could really play on that and you don't have to bring in the, the emperor because it's 200 years from now. He's not even born yet. Well, as far as we know. Right. So um, <laughs> who knows yeah. how old that dude is. Yeah, exactly. we and know. Yoda are certainly both still around. Yeah. Also, Maybe even we'll get some Yaddle. Guys, because Yaddle got some good stuff in Legends and I, <laughs> bring her back. Bring back go, Yaddle. If you go through this trailer, uh, Ian McKay, uh, has uh, Craig, whatever his name is, he has 
sketches of Yoda in here, mm-hmm. which I didn't notice until I was going through. And oh, he's right there. So, and to be honest, I I still think they're going to save Yoda. I think Yoda, like he's easily the one connecting person. See, that's why they should use Yaddle, then they can save Yoda and still have well, Yaddle. But I think I, I still, <laughs> and I don't. I have this is not a rumor. I don't know anything, obviously, but. I really do think that Yoda, they could make a High Republic movie, and I don't think they've announced anything like that. I don't think they have anything necessarily in the works, but if this goes well, you could easily make a movie with Yoda in it, with High, and you could sell it to the mainstream audience just off Yoda alone. And Part at least of what's so exciting about this, I think, is that this High Republic era, they've said it's, it's 200 years before everything we know. So we have 200 years, longer than the current span of the canon, to explore in so this depending on how this does and where they go this could be another 20 years worth of star wars stories or something in real time you know oh you're totally right and 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 i think this is and you talked about that megan a great thing to, to bring out also is the fact that they brought up um in the in the uh press press release or press junket or whatever you want to call it um announcement they showed other things that um other realtors or whatever that were going to be a part of this whole journey and one of them was titan books or um which i believe is uh the is it a manga uh titan is star wars insider um the manga one was on this list too yeah, the manga one, which I think honestly, I would love for them to do original man- uh, manga, manga, whatever you want to call it. Uh, manga, uh, uh, manga. I'm sorry, uh, my old weeb self is dying there. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> both, both, I, don't, I don't read. I don't read that stuff. So that's the one comic form I don't read. And it's because it's I don't really connect to it. But but if they made a new story, I would love to uh, original story through that. I would love to. I can't wait to read it. But the problem is, it's not. I don't think so. I think it's going to be like the Lost Stars one. It's probably going to do one of the novels and, and it, 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 do an adaptation of that. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's an original story. The one thing that, and it's funny, someone DM'd me this morning and asked me, and I said, yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing, and I couldn't wait to bring it up here, was there's a couple things that they that there's Abrams and DK. One, Art of Making of book. Can't wait for that because that's probably going to be coming um, at some point. The other, yeah, I know, right? The other thing is DK, which I love the DK books because those are usually what? The visual dictionaries. So what's really cool is that this whole out, this whole phase will probably at one point have a um, an actual dictionary book of Star Wars, like the visual oh dictionary. So much film. character art. Exactly. Character art. Oh, I'm here for that. So what I'm saying is that this is going to be, it's not, this, so they're not just investing it. And, and this is what makes me really excited about this whole thing. And, and, and it, cause I was just telling, again, I was telling the saga continues guys, we we're talking about how, why the movies designs are usually always better than a book or a comic book designs. Because usually when you have a comic book in, in your, like a mark, like, and again, not something like this, but just a regular comic, you have just one, maybe two artists contributing not a lot of people collaborating and working on a design as opposed to a film when you have many, 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 you know, people working on stuff. There's many people, you know, bringing in ideas and you bring in different artists, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, 
usually when you have usually when you have more people developing things like something like this, the more people working on it, the better because you have a different aesthetics and you can develop things a little bit faster. Or as a comic, it's one person's vision. That's it. What is as funny as soon as I said that to him, and then we get this, and I had no idea that the High Republic was going to bring in multi have uh, obviously obviously Doug Chang, who's the head of uh, art basically for Star Wars, he, you know him doing stuff. You've got you know, uh, Craig doing stuff. You have other people, Phil Noto, who's a who's one of the best comic artists working out there in my opinion, and other people all contributing into this uh, the series. There you go. It's exactly it kind of reinforces what I said. I'm like, man, right there. Like, we're gonna get and the designs I've seen from this already look pretty darn cool. So, the just the fact they're bringing so much into this, it really does build the fact that this is not something they're just gonna do for publishing. I really do feel like this is like the groundwork just of an era of Star Wars altogether. Not saying they're gonna do a movie for sure, but if I it do, hits I mean, well, I mean, they, yeah, they do have. Like I think three animated series in like in the works at the moment, and it is possible that one of them might end up in this era. Um, like we don't know anything else about them really, or some people might, but like beyond that, like there's only like the vague knowledge that there's around three that they're working on. Um, and it is possible, yeah, that they might be connected to this in some way, or at least one of them might be. Um, which I'd be keen for eventually. Yeah, I think yeah. I think eventually. But again, I'm not. I don't think it's anything. It's super recent. I think this is this is strictly like they said, just a publishing thing. But I don't think the High Republic is going to be strictly only publishing. If it again, if it's successful, I think there. I, but I think what what's amazing about this, and I hope Star Wars and Lucasfilm learn from this, is that if and I hope it does well because I love the idea how planned out it is and the whole fresh canvassing that that even Pablo Hidalgo had mentioned in the, in the trailers that, you know, we want to give them a fresh canvas to kind of do whatever they want and have a lot of freedom. And then if this is successful and people are able to kind of stretch their legs and tell stories they want to tell, that's that again, that are good star Wars stories and they, and it fits the, the, the ideas of star Wars, then I hope it's successful enough that we, that they, that Lucasfilm and Disney lets people do that. And also lets people do that for films and say, Hey, you know what? You want to do a film? Here's a blank canvas. You know, why don't you develop it and pitch it to us, and we'll see what happens. And I think this is this is a great idea. And I love that. I love the fact that there's there's a lot of TLC brought into this, and it's only 200 years out from the Skywalker saga. So I'm very excited about wh- what we're given, what we're, we're we're shown. And like I said, there's so much different stuff to talk about. I mean, like the lightsaber colors alone. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, well. What, There's a is that cool looking lady with that double blade lightsaber that yeah. blades up? And it's not like it's not like evil Ray's lightsaber because it doesn't no. look like it flips open. It's just got two blades, like a weird fork. I'm here for that. Like prongs. I love it. See, that's a deviant art OC in the best <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. And there's a Loth Wolf. Is the Loth Wolf a Jedi? We I don't know. I think it's like a He-Man, uh, you know, kind of a thing where it's like Battle Cat, where yeah. it's probably one of the Jedi. I mean, we like know that Lost Wolves have some connection to the Force, I guess. Right. Um, well, that's exciting. Hey, Filoni is... just like slipping like 10 bucks over being like, hey, put a wolf in this. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. Is like in that pic- That's one of my favorite pictures from this, where, where, the one with the Lost Wolf. Does that mean that, we're going to go back to Lothal when it's like actually at the peak of Jedi and see the Jedi Temple we see in Rebels, oh, maybe? Oh, dude, yeah. But, like with Jedi oh. as part of it. Man, see, that this would be one... cool because Lothal we know used to look very different. Like we get flashbacks of it mm-hmm. in Rebels. Um, well, it used to look at least look very old Iranian in a lot of ways. Um, 
God, I haven't thought about that right now, but the Lost Wolf, it's got connections. Yeah, dude. And think about this, like that picture alone with all different colors and different, and not just colors, but different kinds of sabers. I mean, and what's, what's fascinating here is why, what I, I love, there has to be a reason why these colors aren't, aren't in the Skywalker, by the time the Skywalker saga starts, there's only one person who has a different saber and that's Mace Windu. Actually, there's two. There's also uh, Tira Sanube who has a golden lightsaber in the Clone Wars. Wait, he's, he, I thought he was a white one. No, I'm pretty sure this is golden. No, no, it's white, girl. I'm telling you, it's white. Who has it's... a golden one? Someone has a golden one. I don't think anyone has a golden. We have the yellow ones. They're from the they're yellow. The the the, the, the uh, temple guards do, but no one has oh, a yeah. golden one. No, no, oh, yeah. Tarasenko has a white one. But, oh, no. but either way, he's got a blue it's... one. Never mind. I was right. He's got a blue one. Is it blue? According to Wikipedia, it is. So yeah, Wikipedia is wrong. I'm almost oh, no. positive white. No, it's white. It is nope. white. Wikipedia yeah. is wrong. No, Anyways, wrong. what I'm saying is that he had a different color of lightsaber too, and I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I remember what color it was wrong. But, <laughs> my point is that it's very rare. And I think what, what's fascinating, and we see here in this picture alone, which I love, it's my favorite picture of the whole thing, you have an orange, you have a purple, you have a, the white, the double-bladed white, you have this weird dark saber black thing, you have a gun lightsaber thing that this guy's holding up. Um, I mean... There's different sabers. Why aren't those in the Skywalker saga? Obviously, this is a there's a reason, and I think it's fascinating. There's there, we're gonna find out probably why there's different colored sabers in this mm. in this frame. I think I don't know reason. that we will. I don't know because well, that that's like saying why are there no purple lightsabers in the sequel trilogy if Mace had one? I just feel like this it's series... It's the only one that has one, though. And they even said they even said that it's supposed to be rare. Like, that, that's, a, that's a canon thing, if I'm not mistaken. It's always been kind of a... It was a... I mean, obviously, George gave it to Samuel Jackson because Samuel wanted it. It's the only reason why it existed in the first place. If, but, if I mean... it ends up being a plot point, I will happily shake your hand and say I was wrong. But I think it's just... Like no. Ezra having a gun lightsaber, they just wanted something new, and there isn't going to be an explanation because it's retroactive. Ah, yeah, I, I feel like the Fallen Order is kind of supporting Megan's thing there as well. Oh, not, can't get no, the other well, hold on, really? Because it, that's only because it's, it's for that's for cosmetic changes for the for the game itself. It's not from the story standpoint. No, it is though. It is though. Near the end. Near the end, well, when you get to build your crystal, that is story-based. Like, it is cosmetic, but it's still also part of the story of, like, him getting his crystal or whatever. But, but he, you get his... But here's my point. The, the lightsaber color is insignificant because he's supposed to build his lightsaber. That's the whole point. If the color was a big deal, or if it wasn't a big deal... Um, yeah, because it's supposed to be blue. I mean, I'm not sure what the what the canon color is supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be... It doesn't really matter. I think that's the point. It doesn't really matter what the color is. That's why you can choose any color of the rainbow... Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a legitimate reason because I know George, again, maybe this is them retconning this. I don't know. I, and that could support Megan, but George always said it's only green, blue, and red. And, and that it made Mace was purple and was supposed to be special. And that was always a indication. I remember even Dave Filoni talking about in the special features when he wanted to give an Ahsoka a yellow blade, George wouldn't let him. And um, they eventually let, again, they eventually let the temple guards have the yellow blades, which I think is a little bit different maybe. And that's what they, George let them do that. But he, if you go in the special features, Dave said, I wanted to give Ahsoka her little second blade, the shorter one, uh, yellow. 
but he wouldn't let him do it. So what he did was he turned he he found the the best shade of green yellow. He made it orangey gray, yellowy yeah, green. I do exactly. remember that. Yeah, and, and just basically to kind of to kind of get at George a little bit for fun, like oh, it's not it's not yellow, but it's as, as yellow as it could be. So, um, I think there's just like slowly turning the color changer until George is like, no, <laughs> each episode is slightly more yellow. <laughs> so that's, that's just what happened. So I, and again, you could be right, Megan, but I think there, I, I like to think there has to be a reason because I think if you look at the battle arena alone and if you look at the Clone Wars alone, there's no other different blades other than again, Terrence Anube is white. And then you have, um, obviously, uh, Mace Windu. So I think there is a legitimate, there's got to be a legitimate reason, I think, from a story-wise, why there's diff- not different colors. And I think if it ties into the fact, at least my 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 speculation would be, and what I think would be cool, and again, I'm, if it's not, that's fine too. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever. This is ridiculous. I give up. No. Um, what I like to think is that at, over time, as the Jedi become more legalistic and more... Uh, um, the hubris gets bigger that the blades, the colors are become more uh, generic because they've, they're losing their connection to the force or as far, it becomes more of a, a, a rules based thing rather than a spiritual based thing, which I think there could be some merit to that. So I think I like to think that's maybe one reason why, because, because they're not so, they're not so in touch with the force. They're more in touch with the rules of the Jedi. That's why the colors, when they, when because it all is individually based on the Jedi, right? So, because of that reason, it becomes more narrow. Because of the excuse me, because the Jedi become no, more narrow minded, the colors become more narrow. If that if that makes sense, hmm. that's my that's, that's my indication. So I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, that's totally fine. But I think either way, I think we all agree it's cool to get different color color lightsabers. Right? Yes, yeah, we do. Yes, we can all agree that uh, diverse lightsabers are very cool. <laughs> so before we wrap up about this, we have a couple of listener questions. We've got one from John Savedra, John Savedra, so editor Savedra? Den of Geek. Yes, it was very cool. Uh, which is, do you think High Republic will bring back any major elements from Legend slash Kotor timeline, or at least alluded to them, like Revan or Malak or the ancient Sith Empire? And I think we'll get allusions to things, especially like even Bane, because Bane is canon now that he's been in the Clone Wars. So I feel like if we get references to Bane, I wouldn't be surprised. I think we discussed this a little bit um, already, but my serious answer, which is also my joke answer, is that they're going to continue to do the Moraband slash Kahoraban thing, which is (laughs) bring back, which has also happened with the Wayfinder, which also happened with Exegol, which is like bring back similar concepts but call them something different i'm gonna say yes in fact i think i i have to think at one point they're going to put revan in the canon like they did with Braun, and like with um oh my gosh i can't believe i forgot his name the cyborg they put into uh from the marvel comics oh my gosh i forgot his name right now it's totally escaping me i can't believe it if they put the guy the, the cyborg guy from marvel comics into uh, canon, and they put Thrawn in the canon, and Revan, who's one of the most popular, I'd say, EU characters ever. Who's that Revan is a lot harder to put into canon. I, but see, but here's here's the good I, news. You, I don't think it's that hard. I don't think it's that hard at all because you haven't established anything. You could start with mm. putting in the old republic with putting him in the canon and fitting. Yeah, him but the problem is he's saying him. That's yeah, the, like that's, that's the problem. Already the problem. Her, right there, wait, whatever. I mean, everybody. What? I have. I gotta work through my opinions about this because I really don't want to be beholden to 
who Revan was to me, right? I don't necessarily think I'm in a place where it's useful to say, well, it's not my Revan, so I don't care. But I do think there's some consideration that companies like Bioware have had to do with this before, where canonizing a character that can be customized means a lot to a lot of people and can be... I'm sure there's a good way to handle it. I just don't know what it is right now. The good way to handle it is to not do it like they did in the original novels where they managed to make it vague for a while and then Drew Cuption just was just like, nah, he's a dude. He's a, he's a white dude. And that made me mad. And, uh, and I have a bone to pick with that author in particular about many things. But, uh, he chose like, a particular uh, romance. He chose a particular like light and yeah. dark side choice. Like All that was canonized in a way that I don't necessarily think was done super well. No, it wasn't done with consideration um, of people's connections to Revan, I think. That is kind of like a thing that they do have to be careful with, is that people will have very personal connections to Revan in a way that they don't with other characters, because they have customized Revan, they have played as Revan, they have made choices as Revan. And it is very hard to actually canonize those things later on. And even though Knights of Republic isn't canon anymore, people still have that connection to this character. And I think in particular for minorities, uh, minority fans, it will be rough to get like a white male Revan um, because we already have so many of those characters like the Sith See, I want to have higher dirts I want to have a long conversation about this about like Paul what does Revan mean to you and I think that may not necessarily be like part of this question but that's what you that's where I would start is like what does Revan mean to a whole variety of people individually sure. And where can we go with that? Well, and really, and I have a really simple answer because I mean, there's it's it's it can we can go in depth on that for all a whole episode about that, and it'd be very yeah, fascinating. Sure. But I will say this: um, my my interaction with Revan is actually very retroactive because I never played the game until about five six years ago, and when I knew who Revan was solely on the EU and just on book covers and whatnot, and as always when I would do research on stuff before I even played the game, like. I found out it was a guy. I was like, okay, whatever. I just, whatever. So I always knew him as a, a man. I didn't know. Oh, interesting. So there was a field for yeah. you in sticking with what the canon retroactively was. Yeah. And so then when I, huh. but when I played the game, I had no, when I, when I, I made my character on, I told Republic, a dude, uh, just cause I had no idea he was supposed to be, uh, spoiler alert. We haven't played the game. Revan. I had no idea. I remember even, I think I even texted you when I found out I was Revan. I'm Revan? I had yeah, no idea. I had no idea about that plot twist either. That um, was really cool. But at the yeah. same time, but here's the thing. I I think either way, here's a, my the problem is, and I think you're, you bring up a good point. Either way, you're going to piss off people if you pick if it's a man or a woman, if it's white or not white. And it's going to like, it's going it, to, whatever fan base you want to upset, you're going to upset them. So at this point, I'd rather them if they're gonna because I think the character needs. Well, that's to- why I think Megan is um has a good point with the more band core band thing is that they could make a character very similar to Raven, like in a similar like place to Raven in the canon, but not actually make it Raven. The only um, reason themselves. I would say that the only reason why I would say that'd be hard to do, like in the Mandalorian, you could do something like that because like Boba Fett. I mean, obviously the Mandalorian is essentially is a Boba Fett ish character that they just. I've made him not Boba Fett and made him a little more good as opposed to just being a bounty hunter, uh, a kind of a, uh, a bounty hunter or whatever we know from the Star Wars trilogy. 
the thing I would say with Revan is that it he's not it's there's only one Revan, whereas Boba Fett was at least a part the of the thing is there's not there's not only one Revan. Well that's like, why every person I holds a different there, Revan. A, I have no idea. Is there like is like is there like a Revan, like a whole like faction? No, no, no. It's like it's less like that, but it's just every person has a very different idea of Revan. Like Boba That's Fett has different. a pretty typical idea. Um, like everyone's kind of got their idea of that, which is why I think it would be easier. Like it would at least everyone's got Revan. Revan still exists in Star Wars. Just because it's not in the canon doesn't mean like Revan's gone. Um, but I feel like using a different Revan character in that That's place. The the fact they're making so, Revan merchandise still, like, like there's a force effects. I mean, they make plenty. They still make Jaina stuff. Like, they made that still exists. A figure as like from a, like it was a voted it was a voted figure though. But now they're making a. They made the Black Series figure, which was a mm-hmm. mass marketed thing. They made the now the GameStop exclusive for a light side Revan, and now they have the force effects lightsaber. So the the character is a very marketable character. So I mean, and granted, like they could just leave it like that and just sell it and and they and like you said, Seth, like just leave it alone. And that'd be one thing. But the fact that they're promoting the character, it does say that the character is marketable, you know, and, and has a great look. So to me, it's like I honestly I would like it. The fact that there's the the people love the character. My my nephew has a tattoo of Revan and he's like 20 years old. And you know, I mean He's a, it's like he's a really well known loved character, or he or she or whatever you well, want. Well, you can to say Mara is a really well known so, loved character, but she ain't ever coming back. When I say uh, I want to get to what the heart of the character is and what Revan means to people, I mean things like um, so Revan is a power fantasy that the first game like was is essentially a power fantasy right it's like you get to be a jedi and you get to be a super powerful jedi and you are also a super powerful sith at the same time and you stop the universe from exploding and you have a lot of great friends and there are certain like character dynamics in there that different people latch on to right so i think if you could take all of these things and say okay we're gonna make like a lord of the nihil or something i'm just spitballing here and make a character that like wears a cool mask and like has a whole team that goes along with them and um has this like balance between light and dark and don't call them Revan you might be able to make those same emotions it's not going to get into the nostalgia it's not but I think what people really want is their own in a lot of cases, or at least in a lot of fans I know, I think I definitely do tend to be a little bit myopic and go like, all fans are doing this, are doing, are playing Revan this way, and that's not necessarily true. But the people who do have a really emotional attachment to that character and to things as small details, like who did I bring with me on on most of the <laughs> missions, you can you can get around all of that by making a character who fulfills the same fantasy and has a different name, right? Yeah, and that's what I would expect more than a canonized Revan, I think. Like, I could see, like, a, the name Revan existing as, like, a myth or whatever, but not necessarily the character themselves, because even from, like, as a creator perspective, bringing a character like Revan into a story like this would be really, really hard, because you do have a lot of things to balance. And... There's so many different ways that that character can go. Um, like, like you said, the player can balance it more like light side or dark side, and you can like do different things with the character dynamics um, and make different choices. And it is really hard to canonize characters like that. It's so hard. It's it's so so hard. Which I think is why choice based games and canon things is also very hard. Um, 
and I think it would make more sense to bring in a Revan, uh, Revan parallel Revan, character, I Revan guess. Like, yeah, yeah Revan usually, usually I'm generally opposed to that kind of copy pasting, but in this case, I do think it would be appropriate. That's a very this, long answer to John's well, yeah. question. Thank you, John. I, I had this. I had this really quickly. I, I had to step away for. I can't. Something came to me, kind of, and then maybe you referenced it already, Seth, but. Or one of you did maybe, but what if Revan was like a mantle? Like what if Yeah, was... that's what I was actually thinking is that Revan yeah. could be a mantle. That way you could have anyone be Revan and it could be something where it's it becomes like because you are it's a purple lightsaber and it goes to red or purple or whatever. It could be one of those things where it's uh, a Jedi had, in the old Republic era who it, they don't know who started the mantle of Revan, but when mm. whenever you you know, whenever that that person is both light and dark, they they assume that role, um, and that way you could have that idea that you know, or you you can then then start the the Revan mantle by someone, whether it be whatever you know they'd be white, you know, black, whatever. But then they could die, and then the the next person would be Revan, and it could be a woman, and or whatever, right? It could be whatever you wanted to do, and where we want to start with and have it established that like it's multiple people that way it keeps it would also kind of be a meta thing like it's just like the game it could be played by anyone and Revan is essentially could be anyone because it represents the idea of light and dark and that during the time of the old republic there was you had to be one or the other and it was like this kind of thing kind of a, a thing where it would be you know, you don't get what I'm saying. You can kind of play with it, and again, it'd be different, and it'd also be you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. I think a little bit where it it wouldn't upset everyone, and and people could accept the fact that you may not love the fact this one person or whatever is Revan, but then you could appreciate the fact that that person could be dying at some point or passing. Sorry, that that person might die, and then a new person will take out the mantle. It's yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah, right. I mean, it could be. It could be one of those things where, to me, that that to me is the answer. I, in my opinion. yeah, I think if I was if I was like in charge of this kind of stuff and I was going to bring Riven in, that that would be the approach I would probably take. Because um, it's it's a popular. That's my whole point, though, too, is that, and I think John is is kind of you know John brings up a great point. Like, I, I think the, the old Republic and Revan are very much people want to see that. And and again, like and Seth, I think you bring up a great point that Revan is, and, and Megan too obviously Revan is not just one character it's multiple people and I think that would be the best way to do it and have and then in that time frame you would have multiple people be Revan that way people can get used to the idea of like oh Revan is not just a one person thing so the good thing about that is that you could bring Revan back through different eras exactly and that's why you maybe could then bring Revan into the High Republic and then maybe what the and what you could do see I'm getting really carried away with this but you can have (laughs) you're getting really excited about this idea I know I am I am but what if you could do is, and the reason we don't see it in the the Skywalker saga is the the in the hubris and the uh, narrow mindedness of the Jedi is that it, because it could only go one way, they just ultimately destroy the history of Revan, of the Revan or whatever. Hmm. They, yeah. That way they could try to be like, we don't want to. We That's don't want... it. I don't think we'll ever see Malak in it. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> no, I, I, agree. I don't. I don't think you need to though, right? No, I, I'm answering John. I don't think we'll see. Oh Malak. yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was. It's possible we'll get reference to him, but I think he was very much a Kotor thing. And uh, no offense, but I forgot who he was for a long time until you mentioned his name again. <laughs> At least he's more memorable than whoever it was in Kotor too. 
I don't mean Kraya. I mean the other one. That's Darth Nihilus, right? The Nile. Wait, which? No, it's not Darth Nihilus and who's the other two? Yeah, who was it? Scion. Yeah, Scion. See, wait, you don't care about Scion? Wait, Darth Nihilus. I don't care about the entire game. I'm sorry. I love that game. No, Darth Nihilus was the first of the. Was he part of the Sith or something like that? Was he part? No, he's obviously part of the Sith. But I mean, like, was he? Or I think of Darth Ruin that was mentioned in the in, in the uh, Phantom Menace. Who's Darth Nihilus? Darth Nihilus is one, one of the expanded like, universe characters. Planets. Yeah. Oh boy, you. <laughs> I know he exists, but I don't remember where he exists or how he exists. I just know he does. That's fair. Um, so we also have one from Oti, uh, which is what bits from Legends are you hoping to see pulled into this? Like maybe Daniel or Zay Older's dinosaurs turning out to be the Sea Rook, which I don't know what those are. Um, I feel like I made it pretty clear what bits of Legends I want to see from my references to all my favorite Legends books. Um, I want to see that. I want, I, I, want, I want a horror. <laughs> Give me a good horror novel, please. That's all I want. What about you two? I... <laughs> My opinions are bad, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could, go, I could go all out and be like, bring back Verger. Like, I want an equivalent of Oh my god, of yes, Sun though, Bong. bring back Verger. But, but, like, those are things that were so of their time, and I like them because I have a lot of nostalgia about them, and I don't think that just putting the name on a new book will instantly make me feel like I'm 14 again. So I don't... This is a hard question for me to answer, although Verger is a good idea, actually. Oh, I love Verger. Bring Verger back. <laughs> like, I don't even say someone's nostalgia. I read those, like, I read that stuff when I was, like, early 20s. So I wasn't even, like, in a particular period where I have nostalgia for it. I just love that stuff. Um, actually, serious answer is I do want Yaddle. <laughs> Please. Yaddle had some really cool lore in Legends, and she's really cool. <laughs> she's really cool. I don't know. I kind of want them to do different things in in the High Republic, and I just want I want them to be I want them to tell me this is great stories. I know it's really cliche, but at this point, I just want this to be successful enough to where we get more event stuff like this in general, whether it be movies or whatever. And I love I just love what the potential this could be. I just hope it. To be honest, I just hope it gets executed well because. I just want good Star Wars, and I just I do I am a little afraid that there will be afraid to be weird, like kind of Saf said. But there are things in this in this trailer where I'm like, oh, nope, I think we're gonna be okay. I just publishing has I've been very critical of the books, very critical. And one of my favorite writers in Star Wars right now is writing a book, and he's the he's the first up, and so I'm I'm excited and also very nervous. But I just want these stories to matter. And I want them to have some significance. And I think because they're the ones telling all the stories, it's not going to be the films. We're, I think we're gonna. I think it's going to be good. If I had to predict, and I'm not trying to be a homer because I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, as we all know, I, I do think it's going to be good. I think it's for the most part going to be pretty pretty decent because they aren't going to have to worry about to you know wait for a J.J. Abrams or a Ryan Johnson to write a script or whatever. It's going to be we can do whatever the heck we want. For the most part, obviously, but um, we can we we are deciding the ones we're the ones deciding deciding these stories, so we can kind of do and introduce different characters. You can kill off characters, you can add characters. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot more surprises in these books, and I think because it's all part of the one big event, I'm very excited. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm ready. 
All right. Um, Eric Onkenhout asks, do you think space Vikings could really be a match for a group of Jedi? And I say, yes. Potentially. I just think because (laughs) they have like a different approach to hyperspace and stuff. I'm reading I'm reading a trilogy that's already about like like antagonists, I guess, having a different energy ability in normal space, I guess, that I think that this could be interesting and do some weird stuff. Because we've already got the uh oh god, what are they called? The Pergil and everything. So we've seen like mm. slightly different aspects of hyperspace. And I feel like it's a mysterious enough thing that it could be pretty interesting. And they're clearly more than just Vikings, like, or else they wouldn't be the big, the big bad guys of this. So I think they can take on the Jedi. Obviously, they don't win, but I think they could take them on. I do get the sense, as you said earlier, that there's a a bigger bad guy somewhere. Whether that's another one of these or that's a Sith, there's somebody we just haven't met yet because it's Phase One. But also, um, the masks they wear. Made me think of, like, what if they can teleport, essentially? What if they can make, like, it's it's complete nonsense, but so is so much of Star Wars, like, localized hyperspace, so they can just, like, pop out of nowhere, and you can't track them in the Force that way, because they're, like, not in your space-time at all, and that would be cool. I don't know if that's what this is, that's just where my brain went. So, See, that yes, is an ability no. that some aliens have in the book that I'm reading at the moment. So the moment I saw like, it's the Night's Dawn trilogy by Peter F. Hamilton, which is very old. It has, it reads old, but yeah, it's got, it's got some aliens that can literally just like pop somewhere else through like space teleportation. Um, and it, it would be cool to see that in Star Wars too. Cause that is a really cool, like I just hyperspace, like s- the hyperspaces that the different sci-fi series have always really interest me. Cause I love that kind of stuff and you can do interesting things with it. And so I am excited to see Star Wars actually, like, dig into that a little bit. Because that could be cool. I feel like there was also a book with time travel in it because of hyperspace at some point. I don't remember what it was. But it, it was, I think it was related to the Night Errant, not Night Errant, the, the Throne books in some way. I don't know. Well, there was I don't... the, like, the Skywalkers who could navigate through hyperspace. No, it's That's like, it's Thrawn. The Outbound Flight, I think had weird time travel one of them one of the books that chronologically is also very early on in legends but also chronologically after uh the original trilogy that was one of the first ones i read when i got into it because it was early on chronologically does have time travel because of um like hyperspace issues <laughs> which i've totally what was called and what happened in that book um i feel like it was outbound flight or something like that Maybe we could see something like that again. <laughs> I doubt it, but maybe we could. And then we, we have say a, last... a quick goodbye yes. to Paul because Paul has to jump out early. Oh, yeah, okay. I have to jump oh. out because I, um, I thought we'd be done a little bit earlier, but that's not a big, big problem. Um, <laughs> we can be done now, honestly. Oh. We can be done now. <laughs> we can finish it now. We can wrap up. So basically, Mike Jimmon asked, do we think this looks like Pablo? It's a picture of a character from one of the things. My answer is no. Does not look like Pablo. <laughs> it's the right. guy with All the right. sideburns with a droid. The droid cute. But no. Yeah. Does not look like Pablo. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's <laughs> us for this month. We'll be back next month with more stuff. Probably about Clone Wars. Paul, where can people find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. Also, uh, my Marvel podcast, Marvel Newscast. Uh, 
at Marvel Newscast on Twitter and also my other Star Wars podcast with my good friends Kyle and Tim at Saga Continues. Check us out there. All right, Megan, where can people find you? You can find me at Blog Full of Words on Twitter and that'll sum everything up for you. Yep, and I am at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-R-L-U-S-T-I-N on Twitter and I'm also on Rogue Podron. And Blaster Cannon is brought to you by Den of Geek. So you have them to thank. Send them, send them tweets. Thank you for us existing. And you can follow us on Twitter at BlasterCannonPod. Bye. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.